All right, we're going to go into Acts chapter 8, verse 26. The series is called Let's Go Change the World, and the title of the sermon today is Rise and Go. One of the best stories in the book of Acts is the um, salvation, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, the official who came to town, uh, Jerusalem, to worship, and then he was on his way home without salvation, and God rallied Philip to go find him and to share the gospel with him. Uh, we are learning to be bold witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're learning what it means to go out into our community and to reach people with the love of Christ. I announced several weeks ago that we have a bold vision for our church. Here's a slide that shows you what it is. Let me share it with you. I hope you're memorizing this because this is what we're going to share with people over the next three years. Out there in the community, we're reaching half a million people with the gospel in 40 cities over the next thousand days for the glory of Christ. In here, we are building a holy, healthy, and humble spiritual community. Wow! With God, that is possible. With man, that's impossible, but we believe God can do it. Here's a few maps that we've showed before because our church is a regional church. All the dots are our people, our households, our families, and our congregation has about a seven-mile radius in each direction. We've got the main concentration is north of Midway and south of I-80, west of Wolf Road, Bell Road, and even east past 57. And so we're going to do a better job getting you connected with people in your region and then we even have some people who are kind of our outposts out there giving us access to other communities. We believe God has you here for a purpose. And if you connect and collaborate and figure out what would work best in your region, uh, I think that we can truly reach out with the love of Christ in service projects, outreach and we can also um, go and invite people to church and tell them about Jesus. There's going to be a thousand days where we are getting out there and going to tell people uh, about the Lord. In the book of Acts today, we are reading about the very first time ever the gospel spread outside of Israel. Like the first time it ever happened. We are learning how it happened. And it is going to be exciting for us to see how the gospel spread because we believe that the gospel is going to spread all over our region. Here's a picture of our city, right? We've got a picture, I think, of the horizon of Chicago up there. Now check it out. And I've been kind of challenging us because God has a future planned for our city. Yes, it's a broken city, terribly broken, dark, violent, godless, shameless, greedy, lustful, boastful. There are so many problems. I can't even imagine the warehouses full of the record of debt of our city in heaven. And guess what? God can reach our city. He can use us to shine a light in the darkest places on earth. So we have a vision to go out there and to see people transformed by the power of Christ. And God has work for you and for me to do in that effort. All right, well, let's pray, and then we will get in and hear this great story of how this person from far away got saved and brought the gospel to his, to his country. Show us, O oh Lord, how we can become bold witnesses. Show us, Lord, what it means to have a heart for the lost, to be led by your Spirit, to reveal your word to people who are ready to be saved. Show us what it means to take the gospel to our city, to our region, to our state, to our country, to our world. Because we know people desperately need the hope that only Jesus provides. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you would gain great glory through this sermon today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. So 
So there's a bomb dropped on the church. Saul is ravaging the church, going door to door, throwing the Christians in jail. So they run for their lives. Now the gospel is spreading outside of Jerusalem. So it says here in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord. Okay, so there's a spiritual realm full of spiritual beings and an angel is involved in leading Philip on his next assignment. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. Love his faith. Love his responsiveness. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This is a strong man who is in charge of all her treasure. Powerful. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So from far away, 1,500 miles away, and this is likely a black African man who came from this area, and he was a worshiper of the Jewish God. We don't know how. He's in town. He would have been limited and restricted in how far he could have gone into the worship. He, he would be in the court of the Gentiles. So he would have not gained access into the full temple worship. So he came to town from very far away, powerful, rich man, uh, to worship God. And he left with this scroll from the book of Isaiah, but he didn't have salvation. And he's on a 1,500-mile journey back home, and God told Philip to go to him. And it says here in verse 28, And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit said, so an angel said, go. Now the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Hey, jot this down. Number one, we must go and tell the world about Jesus. We must go and tell the world about Jesus. What a story. There's no GPS, right? This is, this is an angel saying, get up and go. Okay, head in this direction. Got it? The Spirit saying, that's the chariot, here I go. Can you imagine today what this would be like if God literally told you, get up and go to Harlem? Okay, uh, that's the Uber right there, okay? I want you to run up alongside it. Here I go, and the window's down, and you're the fool running alongside the Uber, right? And you just run up there, and inside the person is reading the book of Isaiah. And you're like, hey there! Angel told me to come. This is quite a bit of a comical story. Like, who does this, and how does this happen? But on the heavenly side of things, it's actually revealing to us the very heart of God. Angel, Holy Spirit, deacon, all converging on this guy without his knowledge who came from 1,500 miles away, left without people telling him about Jesus, and now, now God is getting to him. This is the heart of God. What a beautiful picture of how God will rally to the person who is ready to receive him. We must go and tell the world about Jesus. So Luke, the author here, uses some cool words that reveal to us what evangelism is. It says in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news 
about Jesus. And good news is actually where we get our word for evangelism. If you looked at it in the Greek, it would look kind of like the word evangelizo, um, but it's euangelizo, but it looks like evangelism, so that's a transliteration. We take a word from the Greek and we make it a new word in English. And it means good news. Sharing the good news is what evangelism is. You have good news and you're going to tell it to other people. Tying into being a person who has good news, there's another word he used in verse uh, 5, which is, it means to herald, right? He was, he was a herald wherever he went. Um, in verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ. Um, and that's Russo, but it means to herald. So you are the one with the good news, and you are the one who is going to herald it to other people. You're proclaiming great news from the king. We have to go and tell the world about Jesus. Philip shows us what this looks like. He was ready to get up and go and run alongside this chariot and barge in on this guy's ride because God wanted him to go. When I was a new youth pastor, uh, I didn't plan to become a pastor. I was a teacher. And in 2002, uh, 2001, 2002, Lauren and I helped to launch a church in the western suburbs with the pastor who had led me to faith in Christ. And so I became a part-time youth pastor there. No Bible training, but he saw potential in me, God's work in my life. And then the day, day came where he said, hey, do you want to preach a sermon? I was like, what? Preach? Oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, put your sermon together and I'll let you preach on a Sunday morning. And so uh, I keep in my office uh, the cassette tape. Do you know what this is? Cassette tape. There's TikTok videos of Gen Z. They don't even know how to open this thing, right? It's kind of funny, but here's the way it works if you're wondering, right? And on this cassette tape, my first sermon I ever preached was July 28, 2002. And God laid it on my heart to preach a sermon called How to Have a Contagious Faith. From the first time I had the opportunity to preach, I thought, I really want to inspire and motivate people and encourage them to share their faith with others. That's something that God has burdened me with. And it's not because I'm an expert. I don't have the gift of evangelism in the sense that many do, where you see them do amazing things, right? Billy Graham has the gift of evangelism. Greg Laurie has the gift of evangelism. I have a a bit of it, more of an apologetic side. I would call it more of a heart for evangelism. Some of you might have the gift of evangelism. Philip here has the gift. He's an evangelist. And God wants you, however you find a way to express it, he wants you to have a burden to share your faith with others and to help others share their faith as well. Okay, well, if we're going to go and tell the world about Jesus and God wants me to share my faith with others, i got to be honest, I get nervous when it comes to talking about religion and faith with other people. The rules are don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion, right? And so when it comes to like being challenged to become a bold witness, you might feel afraid. You might feel insecure, like you don't have the answers. You might feel angry. Uh, at other people and what they think today, and you get worked up when you start talking. You might um, feel guilty, because who am I to share my faith with other people? How do you feel when you are challenged to start talking to other people about the gospel? Regardless of how you feel, you should have a burden 
a burden to reach out to other people with the good news because you have the good news and God wants you to share it. Okay, well, what would motivate me to do this? Write this down. Heaven is helping. Heaven is helping. Go and tell the world about Jesus because heaven is helping. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go. There are spiritual beings right now, right now in this room, helping, helping. They're messengers. They have power to orchestrate some things around you. Many things in your life overflow from the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm parallels, permeates, pollutes, perfects our realm. It's not just out there. You are a spiritual being. Right now, you are existing in the spiritual realm, too. That's how that realm can impact you internally. It could also physically impact our world, which is how an angel is saying, here, do this. Angels have appeared before. And so there is a crossover. Now, that doesn't have to happen for you to encounter someone and, and a divine appointment is when you encounter someone and God wants you to take the step to have the conversation. Maybe you didn't see the angel or some of the events that led to this, but listen, heaven is helping. Heaven is helping to orchestrate this. You're not alone. Heaven is helping. Then it goes on to say, the Holy Spirit said in verse 29, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, he is a person he is not the Father. He is not the Son. That would be modalism. We don't believe God just has three masks that he keeps changing out. That's a heresy. The Holy Spirit is a person here. The Spirit speaks. And this Holy Spirit of God, if you are saved and born again, resides in you. And what does the Spirit do? Many things. The Holy Spirit equips us to serve Christ. Brings us into the very body of Christ. Regenerates our hearts so that we can be born again. But the Spirit also empowers us to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Spirit that said to Philip, go, that was also simultaneously authoring the book where this would be recorded, is in you. Heaven is helping you. You don't have to be like, well, I just don't have all the answers yet. If I had some time to study, or if, look, the Spirit's in you. The Spirit is in you. You don't have to worry in advance what you're going to say. Heaven is helping us. It's very motivating to see people with the gift of evangelism, because even if we just have a sliver of what they have, we can be confident it's going to work. There have been great evangelists throughout the years, Billy Graham, Greg Laurie, Right now, everyone is talking about Chuck Smith, who also has the gift of evangelism. Here's some pictures of Chuck Smith and the Jesus movement that happened back in the day. He was a middle-aged guy who struck up a friendship with a hippie, and all the hippies started coming to his church, and all the old fuddy-duddies didn't like it. They were making a mess on the carpet. But he reached out and started the Calvary Chapel movement. There's a movie in the theaters. We're going to show the preview later. But there's a movie in the theaters now called The Jesus Revolution that tells this story. And Chuck Smith's church was dying, and this is how it happened. This is how God used him to become an evangelist to an entire generation of lost people who didn't know about Jesus. You might ask yourself, well, how did God do that? Chuck Smith was actually on his path to becoming a doctor because he wanted to help people. Then 
he was at a conference where he heard about a missionary named C.T. Studd who went to China, to India, to Africa and reached people with the gospel. And he heard a quote from C.T. Studd. Here's a picture of that quote. C.T. Studd said this, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that stopped him in his tracks. And Chuck Smith said, I think God wants me to be a preacher. He went to his mom and said, Mom, I'm sorry. I am not going to be a doctor. I am going to become a preacher. And she said, before you were born, that was my prayer. I wanted you to reach people for Christ, but I never told you because I didn't want to influence your decisions. Isn't that beautiful? He became a pastor. And Greg Laurie shared nine years ago, because Greg Laurie got saved through Chuck Smith, nine years ago the stats were 4.4 million people have attended live gatherings that came out of this movement and 370,000 people have been saved. And those are just the ones they know about. This is the gift of evangelism. This is the revival of the Holy Spirit. This is people finding Christ through people who say, I will rise up and go. Now that should inspire you and not intimidate or overwhelm you. When you hear stories like that, you shouldn't be like, well, I can't do that. You should be like, I can, I can do that. I can, I can tell people about Jesus. I can find my way, even if I'm not a gifted evangelist, to rise up and go. I can do that because heaven is helping us. I hope that encourages you to see that God wants to use you. He wants to use you. Okay, well, how do I do it? Well, jot this down. Watch for red apples. Watch for red apples. This red apple evangelism principle is something we kind of teach. Here's the way it works. A green apple is not ripe. A red apple is ripe, ready to eat. If you encounter somebody who's not ripened to the gospel, they're not ready to listen, don't bruise the fruit. Go as far as they'll take you. You know, they'll let you. But don't do anything to bruise the fruit because God has not gotten them ready yet to receive the gospel. How does God ripen someone to salvation where they are ready? This Ethiopian was a red apple. He was ripened to the gospel. He literally had the scroll of Isaiah open and he was reading about Jesus. All right, he is ready. Um, how, do I, how does God ripen someone to the gospel? Often he uses suffering. Okay, he drops a house on them. Look around your life. Who is going through the valley right now? Whose life is set on fire right now? Whose relationships are detonating right now? Whose heart is exploding right now? God is ripening them to the gospel. Why is this happening? That's what they're saying. Before a person knows Christ, every single trial in their life is God's way of saying the same thing over and why did this happen same thing why did this happen same thing why did this happen same thing same thing same thing why 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 here's why you need my son you need my son you need my son pain before a person is saved alerts a person to the absence of god that's why and that's where you come in you need his son. Now, the beautiful thing is, and I know a lot of you are going through trials right now. You ask, why? Well, then why after I'm a Christian? Why? 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 Same answer every time. Same answer. Same answer. Uh, you, you have my son. This will alert you to my presence. 
Everything you go through after you're a Christian alerts you to God's presence. Everything you go through before you're a Christian alerts you to God's absence. So the people who are going through it are likely getting ripened to the gospel. Pain, problems, prosperity will do it too. Might sound counterintuitive, but when a person's dreams come true and they're still not happy, they've got problems. Why didn't this do it? Why didn't this do it? They're actually often more messed up than the person who's in the gutter. I'm still not happy. Why am I still not? Why is this still not working? Why am I? Big problems. That's where the addictions come in. That's where the higher highs come in. That's where the bondage comes in. And that's where despair will grip them. Watch for red apples. This guy was a red apple. Here's a picture of where he came from. We have a map. He came from 1,500 miles away. Okay, so Jerusalem's up there to the right. 1,500 miles. It's actually, it takes you down to where Sudan is today. That's the, the Ethiopian area of that time is where he's from. Okay, I'd say if he makes a 1,500-mile trip up to worship the one true God, he's a red apple, right? Not a mystery if this guy's ready. He's left with a souvenir. He's got a scroll of Isaiah. This is a lot of money. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have uh, Office Max back then to make you a copy of this. They didn't have the Bible app. You know, they had scrolls, handwritten. So this is today. Somebody gave me this. They got it as a souvenir somewhere. But imagine like this, right? He's got, he, he left with it. Whoa, this is awesome, Isaiah. You know, and he's got a long trip. So he's going you know, to unroll it. And he's going he's gonna to get to reading it. So this is kind of like, imagine a, a, a black African powerful man dressed in the chariot. Awesome. He's got this scroll. He's reading it. This is what Philip runs up to, to give you kind of a visual. It's a really cool picture the bottom line is he's a red apple. Somebody starts checking out church. Somebody starts reading the Bible. They're a red apple. They start watching sermons online. They're a red apple. They start saying things that they haven't said before. They're a red apple. Where are the red apples in your life? This guy was getting to Isaiah 53, which means before Philip got there, he had already covered a good amount of ground. And he would have read in Isaiah 52, 7, just before Philip got there. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Verse 10, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. He's reading this, he's reading this, and then... I'm here! It's like the Bible's coming to life! How awesome is the synchronization of heaven? And God can do that with you. Have you had it happen before? I've had it happen before. Where I run into somebody, somebody I know, somebody I don't know, and things start happening and you're like, something's happening here. Have you had that happen? I'm supposed to talk to this person. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, I'm meant to have a conversation with this person right now. It's a divine appointment. Maybe they're a red apple. Watch for red apples. Maybe it'll happen at Costco. Maybe it'll happen in an Uber or an elevator. Slow down, ask questions, and figure out what God wants to do. And remember, the spiritual realm will play the deciding role in your witness. Heaven is helping us. It is heavy on the heart of God that we go and tell people the plan of God. Number one is we must go and tell the world about Jesus. Jot this down. Number two, we must rely on the word of God in our witness. We must rely on the word of God in our witness. What exactly are we telling people? Not my opinions, not my rules for life. I'm not going to do my best to make you a better human. 
with, with my thoughts on the world. No, 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 no. We're telling people about what God's Word says. That's where the power is. We have to help people understand what the Bible says about their spiritual problems. James 1.21 says this, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able, get this, to save your souls. It's the word. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We must rely on the word of God in our witness. This guy was reading the scroll of Isaiah, and Philip took it, and he used the word of God in his witness. Sometimes people ask me for advice. A woman came up to me recently and said, my sister, probably near the end, uh, what do I do? And I said, well, have you just like asked her if she's ready to receive Christ? Like read a verse or two to her and say, why don't you just pray with me and ask Jesus to be your savior? She said, well, I haven't. Done it, done it that clearly yet. I said, well, look, if she's toward the end of her life, what do you got to lose? You know, go for it. So she did. She went in there. She said to her sister, you know, I just want to feel a burden for you. You know, read a verse, and are you ready to ask Jesus to be your Savior? Why don't we pray right now? And then guess what happened? Her sister's phone started going off. Bleep, 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 bus, bus, bleep, bus, bus. Satan's got a tech team, okay? He's got a phone department, too. Get somebody on the phone. Get anybody on the phone. We got to stop this conversation. Buzz. Oh, who's this? Oh, I don't know. Put it down. Okay, let, oh, who's this now? Oh, we got to, okay. You know what she said? I'm just going to turn it off. And she prayed to receive Christ right there. You can do this. If you need one verse, go to John 3.16. If you need one verse, go to Romans 10.9. Write it down. One verse. You don't have to get a scroll. I mean, I got a scroll of Isaiah. I heard about this in the Bible. I'm going to unroll this, and we're going to start talking about it. Okay, this is what I... You don't have to do that. You just need a verse. Take them into the Word. Jot this down, and then guiding people to understand it. we got to rely on the Word of God in our witness by guiding people to understand it. Everyone actually wants to know, how do I know God? The answer is the Word of God. Sure, general revelation. There's some things in nature that show there is a God. He's powerful. He's beautiful. He's, he's imaginative. He's, he's present. But you can't know the plan of God um, just from like a gorgeous sunset over a lake. It's the Word of God that is divine self-disclosure. So we have to get into the Word of God, and it's necessary for salvation. The Spirit of God operates through the Word of God. That's what's happening here. In Isaiah 56, 6 to 8, which is a chapter that this Ethiopian would have gotten to after Philip went away, it says this, And the foreigners, that's this guy, who joined themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This is coming to life in this man's chariot. God is fulfilling his word. 700 years after Isaiah wrote it, God is reaching out to these distant people and bringing them into his flock. We appeal to the word of God. This guy saw he was in the Bible, fulfilling it. So we must rely on the word of God in our witness by guiding people to understand it. Jot this down by showing how it all points to Jesus. 
by showing how it all points to Jesus. So he's now in chapter 53. So reading on, here's what it says. Philip ran up to him. He said, how could I understand it? And then in verse 32, now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So he reads here from Isaiah 53, 3 to 8. Let's zoom out. We'll read the context here. Here's what it says. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. It says this, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, we could spend a year in Isaiah. All right, I'm real tempted to start digging into the meat of the doctrine of Isaiah and the words and all that, but the eunuch had one question and one question alone. Who? Who? And that's the only question we have to cover right now. Isaiah, 700 years in advance, was talking about Jesus and what he's going to do for us. It's all about him. Isaiah was writing about Jesus. We can show people that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. How he died to save us and rose again. The Bible foretold how Jesus would die 700 years before it happened. That should amaze you. The mind of God, the wisdom of God through the prophet Isaiah to lay it all out. How did he do that? You don't know anything about tomorrow. You don't know anything about this afternoon, let alone 700 years up the road. What a convergence of the love of God and the wisdom of God is happening here in this chariot. You might feel embarrassed to tell others about Jesus or anxious or afraid or confused or, or nervous. Listen, heaven is helping you and the word of God is going to do the heavy lifting. Spurgeon said, the word of God is like a lion. Just let it out of the cage and it will fend for itself. Just share it. Have faith, not in yourself or in the person you're talking to, but in the word of God. And show how it points to Jesus. Number one, we must go and tell the world about Jesus. Heaven is helping us. We've got to watch for red apples. Number two, we must rely on the word of God in our witness by guiding people to understand it and, how, and showing people how it all points to Jesus. Number three, jot this down. They must believe and be baptized into Christ Jesus. Now, it's not your job to make them do this, but it's your job to invite them to do it. Verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. Now, I like this moment in the story because I wondered if 
Philip thought he was on this 1,500-mile journey back to Ethiopia. You know, he's going to be be it's going to take a long time before he gets home. Isaiah's a long book. They're going along and they're having a conversation. I wonder if Philip's like, man, I'm going to go away for a long time here. Until the guy got up and said, stop. And then Philip's like, whew. And the guy's like, there's water right here. Why don't I just go get baptized right now? How awesome is that? That is so spectacular. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way. I love this, rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, which is where he would reside. They must believe and be baptized into Christ Jesus. The Ethiopian now is an example to anyone in here or online who has not yet publicly professed their faith in Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you said, stop, it's time? Have you gotten baptized and told people that you are a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? He wanted to get it done right then, right there. Water, let's go. What is stopping you from crowning Jesus the king of your life? If we were just out to coffee at Panera, and I said, what is it? Would you have a short list or would you have a long list? We have one big thing, a bunch of little things. We could work through all that. But are you really working through it? Often people keep hitting the snooze button after the alarm clock. They keep having wake-up calls. Problem, problem, snooze. Problem, problem, snooze. Time is short. There will come a point when you have your last opportunity to ask Jesus to be your Savior. This might be it right now. You're not guaranteed another day. Why not? Why not invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Isaiah talks about how he suffered in this life for you, how he laid down his life for you. He took the punishment for all of your sins on himself and died a horrible death on the cross. Only because he did that can all of your sins be forgiven and washed away. Then he rose again on the third day and he now rules heaven. He's orchestrating this guy in the chariot is on a 1,500-mile journey home to hear the truth so that he would respond and get saved. And Jesus might be doing that with you right now. He said to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Maybe you need to hear that. What a great reaction from this guy. I'm in. And he was full of joy. But you have to accept the ugly truth of what baptism symbolizes. Baptism symbolizes a few things, that you are being raised to new life, and guess what? That means the old you has to die, and you need to be born again. And it also symbolizes that all of your sins need to be washed away, which means your soul is filthy. Here's a picture of a filthy dude. He was uh, out doing some contest, some mud run thing, and yikes, is he going to need to wash Okay, Bible says that's you. No, I'm not. I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. No, I've done good things in my life. I've done religion. Doesn't matter. I've given to charity. Doesn't matter. I'm nice to animals. Who cares? I'm a patriot for my country. I've served. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Not one drop of all of that can cleanse your soul. You desperately need Jesus to wash away every one of your sins, or that's going to be you on Judgment Day thinking you're getting into heaven. 
then you're not getting into heaven. A lot of people have never heard this before. You're not getting into heaven without Jesus. You're not getting into heaven without Jesus. They must believe and be baptized. That's what told this guy. Stop the chariot. Today's the day. Jot this down. It's great news. They must believe and be baptized because it's great news. The gospel is great news. The rich young ruler who showed up, what? Good teacher, what must I do to be saved? Well, you'll keep the commandments. Oh, I've done all of those from when I was young. All right, go sell everything and give to the poor. And then here's the key, come follow me. And he went home sad. His wife, what's the matter? I met Jesus. And I got in the Bible. And he invited me to be one of his followers. And... But I have to give up all my stuff. <laughs> what an idiot. What an idiot. Sad to be invited <laughs> to be one of Jesus' close followers. He missed his opportunity. What about you? Do you realize the joy of leaving everything? Pearl of great price. He who finds uh, a treasure in a field, he who finds a pearl of great price, goes and sells everything he has to go and get that thing, and then he rejoices. Knowing Jesus is the greatest thing in this life. Knowing Jesus is the supreme and satisfying thing of the next life. Do you know him? Do you have the joy of knowing him? We share good news. Jot this down. And salvation brings great joy. Salvation brings great joy. He went on his way rejoicing. Philip kept going, telling other people the gospel. You want joy in your life? Accept Jesus and then go and tell others about him. There will be great joy in your life. A lot of people living without joy right now. This is one indicator you don't have God in your life. Are you joyless right now? Are you joyless? Why am I so joyless? Nothing makes me happy. I'm always down. Maybe you need Jesus. As a Christian, how come I can't get my traction? I'm still feeling, maybe you need to share your faith. That'll bring the joy. That will bring the joy. Then it sounds like a miraculous exit here. But he, you know, he, when he carried up, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And he was seen no more. So that's like when Jesus disappeared from his disciples. That's like when Elijah disappeared in the Old Testament. Why is that in the Bible? Careful, careful, careful. It's in there because it affirms the messenger and the message is heavenly. Okay, all the wonder stuff in the Bible affirms the messenger and the message is heavenly. That's the point, right? That's the point. Don't miss the point. The messenger and the message is heavenly. So Philip disappears. And here's what's interesting, too. We don't hear about Philip for 20 more years. 20 years. He just disappears in the book of Acts for 20. He's doing a lot of stuff. You know, he's sharing the gospel. And, and it, none of it gets recorded. The vast majority of what you do for Christ isn't, gonna, isn't going to be in a highlight reel. You know, Philip just served. He went and kept serving, kept serving, kept serving. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody knows he's not in the Bible anymore. 20 years later, he shows up. He's still doing the work. doesn't matter if people notice what you're doing. So let me ask you this. Do you believe the gospel, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who came into the world, lived, died, rose again, and that he will save you no matter what you've done in your life? That's the gospel. One idea I have as I close out here, there's a beautiful movie out right now where Kelsey Grammer plays Chuck Smith. 
A great opportunity you and I have right now is to go and see this movie because it will inspire us to reach others for Christ, but to invite people to go see it too. Check it out. Here's the preview. What is going on? Baptize these feet in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There you go. Uh, welcome to church. <laughs> Hello. Let's have that foot, please. This is terrific. Okay. Place them both on that towel and then step on into church. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How are you? Let's have that foot. Have that other foot. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go sit next to that fella in the cantaloupe jacket? Good to see you. Thank Enjoy. You. Welcome to church. Thank you. Hello, young lady. Well, last year I had the privilege of visiting uh, New York City. And like any good tourist, I paid a visit to the Statue of Liberty. And I read those famous words Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And as I read those words, I thought, well, that's Christianity, isn't it? It's the essence of it. An invitation to the broken. Jesus was very friendly with the outcasts. In Revelation 22, it says, let the one who can hear say, come, let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the waters of life freely. This place, it is yours. If you feel like misunderstood and judged, this is where you belong. If you feel ashamed or trapped in something you've done or are doing, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. What a great opportunity for you to be inspired to reach out with the gospel and to bring others to the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Well, hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer based on everything we've heard today. Jesus, we give you glory. We want to become those bold witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do it without your spirit. Heaven must help us. We can't convince or force or prod or pull anybody into the faith. Your goodness must impact them through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps there are some here today or who are online who are ready to admit that they are sinful beyond repair. They have no hope of appearing before a holy God on Judgment Day based on their works, their good deeds, which are like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. But God sent down his son, his only son, the Lamb of God, to die on the cross for them. Jesus, I pray that today there would be some, like this Ethiopian servant, who say, 
Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized to tell everyone that he is my Savior? Right now, they can pray in their own heart saying, Jesus, save me. Save me for all of my sins. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. And use me as a messenger to others so that they might find this great news, this treasure hidden in a field, this pearl of great price, and that they would understand, as I now do, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh Lord, may your spirit wash away the sins in the hearts of these people and may they feel born again because you love them. Help us to go and tell the world about Jesus Christ. Soon this life will end. Only what we do for you will matter. Make us bold witnesses, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.